Hey guys, welcome back to the Adrian Bow podcast featuring Troy Malcolm. This week, Adrian, we're going to do something special. We're going to bring a recent skills workshop that you and I both hosted that we send out to the entire McGraw network on a weekly basis. Now, listeners, you're going to get this pretty much every fortnight, but what it is is tapping into the skills and challenges and objectives and traits that you need to use out in the field to make your business grow. Adrian, why did we do this and why is it so important in the field right now? It goes to my love, uh, Troy, which is that paradigm between motivational and practitioner work. So I always made a commitment if I ever coached or trained agents that I could share dialogue and strategies and systems and checklists that they can implement into their business the same day or the next day and move the needle with listings and sales because that is our KPI and that's what we're measured on. And I like to have my agents achieve immediate results from the work that we do. Hey, listeners, if you like this, rate it five stars, send us a review, send us questions, because we want to make sure that it's relevant for you every single week. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another Skills Workshop, episode number 27 with Adrian Bow and Troy Malcolm, coming to you live every Friday morning to make sure that we arm you with every possible skill, every possible question, every possible challenge that someone in the community may throw at you at the weekend at an open for inspection or simply the week ahead. Adrian, last week we spoke about the doomsday uh, specialist saying that the market was going to drop off a cliff, we're going to see 40% of property values go down, um, all very much not relevant in this market because we continue to see the daily activity report with great sales happening, the weekend results. So congratulations to everyone out there that's achieving phenomenal success. Um, Adrian, two questions that came in that we said we're going to mention last week. One from the New South Wales team, which was, Adrian, is, and this is a question from a vendor that's come via an agent, is auction still the best method to actually sell in this market? Yes. Okay, great question. So this is great for agents that are having some resistance from vendors that are seeing clearance rates. Sure, they're less than what they were. They're still usually more than half. Yeah. But they're, you know, this time last year or 18 months ago, they, they probably have a seven or eight in front of them. Now they've probably got a five in front of them. But it's still important for agents to express the benefits of auction. Then you've yeah. got other agents in our network, Troy, that are trying to evolve into auction agents that are actually private treaty agents um, predominantly. So, really good question. So, number one is I would stand your ground around auction being the most efficient way to sell real estate. And what I would do if someone focuses on clearance rate is I'd be saying to that person, Troy, are you aware of what the private treaty clearance rate is? within 30 days of being on the market. Just say that again for me. Are you aware of what the private treaty clearance rate is of the property being on a market within 30 days? Because an auction campaign is usually a 30-day campaign. Let's say the clearance rate is 55 or 60%. If you do the numbers on private treaty campaigns, I can assure you, and I've done the stats for my area and other areas, the clearance rate, for the lack of a better term for private treaty, is usually about 20% to get a property sold within 30 days under a private treaty capacity. Why is that? Number one, because there's no sense of urgency. Yep. Number two, there's no deadline to get the property sold. Number three, it usually involves less marketing, less exposure, mm-hmm. right? Number four is there's a fixed asking price, which is usually too high, and buyers will usually go and bid at an auction first and then come back to the private treaty if it's still around, okay? So I think that's a really important one for agents to equip themselves with in your own market, but I can tell you now, 
Uh, I'd be very surprised if it's not about approximately half of what your auction clearance rate is for private trees. That's a really good one to equip yourself with. The other thing is, I always notice with buyers, auctions create a certain sense of urgency. Yeah. Right? They emotionally get engaged and they know they have to get to the bank or they have to get to their mortgage broker and get everything approved yes. so they can actually actively bid. Right? It's actually a nice way of doing it. And they also have a deadline on what they want to do as well. Absolutely. Given the time of year that we're seeing, most buyers, they want to be in before Christmas. Yes. At this time of year, when this episode's going live, if yep. you sell a property in the next couple of weeks, you will still get the exchange and the settlement if they choose before Christmas. Absolutely. What a better way to set up 2019 for buyers and actually have that conversation with vendors about the opportunity for buyers to buy their property. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to have the discussion with the vendor around auction that there's three opportunities to get a property sold with auction. One is prior. Yep. Two is on the day as an event and as a competition piece. Three is post-auction once we have exhausted all interest um, in terms of that pre-auction process. So for example, I, I've done two auctions or conducted two auctions for Richard Benouvre in the last two weeks respectively. No registration, no buyers on both. Offer an acceptance within 48 hours of the auction and both of them have sold. Okay. Right. So why does that happen? You know, is it if it was private treaty, would it have happened? I don't think so. What's happened is that even though a buyer might have been waiting for a result or an event, they allowed it to exhaust itself. The vendor was exposed to uh, a scenario where there was no registrations, no bids. So any delusion that they may have had that they were leaving a hundred or two hundred thousand on the table is now gone. Yep. Not that they were trying to manage their expectations; it's just a reality of that. Um, and then that buyer was able to actually get finance because we do accept that in this market where finance is a little bit tougher that some buyers do need to do a pre-purchase valuation right. and they need to see an offer and acceptance or a sale summary. So we get all that. Um, so at those two sales happened exactly that way. And I'd equip yourself with this type of uh, dialogue as well that there's three processes around getting a property sold with an auction. With private treaty, there's only one and it does attract a five-day cooling off period as well. Correct. Adrian, similar to that, we talk about on-site versus in-rooms. Yeah. Um, at both those circumstances with Richie, the interested parties, I'm sure, would have been maybe milling around or they've been through the Correct. property at an inspection. Correct. They may have even attended the auction just to watch, but not formally register because they didn't have that approval process Correct. in place, whatever their circumstances are. Correct. Do you believe, and I am a strong believer, on-site auction is still the best method because they get to have that emotional engagement then and there on the spot. If they are registered, they bid a little bit more? Definitely. There's no doubt. You know, and I've been conducting on-site auctions, Troy, for, for over two, two uh, decades, and I and you and I have both conducted, you know, th literally thousands of auctions each and on-site 95% of them. And number one is there's an emotional attachment while you're at the property, either inside or outside, but there's that emotional attachment for buyers to be able to see, touch and smell market value yep. in, in real time. The alternate is be sitting in a hotel room or an office with a photo on a screen where there's a lot of detachment there as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so that's one obvious advantage. Secondly, the owner is also quite involved in the process. Mm. They're in their home. Uh, they, they can see in real time what's happening. Uh, there's not five or six other auctions taking place either before or after their auction. Yep. So therefore the agent, the owner, and the buyers are all focused on that one particular property 
our interest and our our our, dist our distraction uh, is is not there in terms of other buyers or sellers. The other thing is, I mean, if you had three or four auctions prior to yours and none of them sold or all passed in, <laughs> yeah. and I was a buyer, that could potentially <laughs> influence. Nervous, right? Yeah, that could potentially influence my bidding ability. Yeah. Um, so logistically, it's a little bit more challenging for us as agents. However, I know from day one and the genesis of this business thirty odd years ago, John was a massive advocate of on-site, uh, even though it was it was logistically more challenging. Uh, but we did find that we provided better service to our buyers, sellers, and premium prices were were achieved as well. Absolutely. Now the second question, Adrian, we constantly look at is uh, the team environment yes. and and who does what around that. So the question came from our Queensland team, and yeah. they seems to be a little bit of overlap, a little bit of underlap with roles yeah. and responsibilities. Yes. What's the best way? Because you've obviously had teams of two, and you've had teams of five and six, yes. all working with you. You've had associate yeah. agents, um, close colleagues working within your team. Yes. What's the best way that you always manage that structure? Because that was the second question, and yes. obviously uh, everyone has their own individual needs and desires yeah. when they're growing in the business, sure. and also what they want to achieve. So how did you best manage the expectations of all your team members and have them constantly and consistently aligned? Sure. This is a very good question and an important one because a lot of younger people coming through the industry, Troy, need to be challenged, they need to be made accountable, um, and they need to be the best version of themselves. And unfortunately, what I've seen is literally scores, if not hundreds of people, come and go yeah. because they're disillusioned with the industry, Troy. They come in, they're employed by a sales agent, and with respect, sales agents are very great artists and terrific at yeah. what they do. Practitioners. Yep. Correct, but they're entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurial hat is isn't always uh, where where it should be, and that's no fault to them because they haven't had any training around yep. it. Um, so the accountability piece is is rarely there, and the training uh, and 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 obviously the challenging part of, of challenging your uh, junior or associate or assistant, whatever it might be, may not always be present. So the important thing is. Be careful what you wish for when you get when you put someone on your team. Okay, yeah. have a very detailed plan and and uh, and obviously a job description before they start. Mm -hmm. Now, if they don't have that, come to us. We've, yeah. we've got all the information that you need. Um, get them straight through fast track, straight through the McGraw way. Send them to come and see you yeah. know myself. Well, the, EBU, the EBU training EBU, as well. Everything. It's really yeah. important. But then again, at some point, Troy, they're still going to go do this training and come back at the office and look at a desk and a phone. With with an intimidating agent looking over their uh, over their uh, shoulder, who's paying them, you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, yep. with expectations. So I, I I go at that macro level and then sort of unpack it a little bit uh, more of a micro level now. In that, for the agent, know what the purpose of that extra team member is. So the mistake a lot of agents make is after three months they say, well, I've put them on, but they haven't brought any uh, business into me. I'm like, well, hang on. Your first team member, let's call it Red, let's call it a CSM, let's call it whatever you want to, but that first team member is there to free up your time so you focus on dollar productive activity Absolutely. and you can bring in more business. Yeah. Right? So it's a paradigm there. So if you put someone on and it's your first person and they do nothing else Troy but allow you to do two to four hours of prospecting in the morning yep. and have two to four face-to-face -face appointments in the afternoon be it a buyer appointment a listing appointment a market appraisal or a price alignment meeting mm -hmm. Then they're, they're doing their job. Absolutely. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And even if they're only at 80% capacity, they're doing their job. Now, if 
if their role evolves or your team evolves or your business evolves and you're looking for a second person, well, then either you give the incumbent some extra responsibilities yep. with some lead generation stuff yep. or you put on a full-time associate agent whose job is very much around, yes, building data, uh, introducing new sellers to you, working with buyers. So that's the associate agent role. So absolutely, that person should be income producing. Yeah. You know, the one thing I wish, uh, obviously being in the business for over 17 years now, being an associate agent for a long period of time. The one thing I wish, I actually wish that I'd stayed an associate for longer. Look, it's a good point, Troy. I've had uh, associates stay with me for, for five years, yep. uh, seven years as well. Um, and all of them, you can ask them all today, you know, Nick Lennon, Simon Exelton, Damien Steele, there's a bunch of them. And they, they usually will say, you know what, I did take sort of two steps backwards before yeah. I had to take a, stu- a few steps forwards when they did leave that little bubble because mm-hmm. they, they went from literally managing seven properties. Yep. To door knocking, you know, yeah. which is fine because that's the transition you got to make. And I high fived every single one of them when they were ready to make that transition. But I think in this market, with the evolution and the uh, emergence of super teams, yeah, I think you can be a very, very successful standalone agent, i.e., Don Maxwell, yep, um, and within a brand of say Alex Minton, within a business of McGrath Warunga, yeah. and just using that as an example, where I don't think there's any real need to be standalone or have your own EBU because Dom is able to tap into Alex's resources, infrastructure, training, uh, um, admin, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see the emergence of that, yeah. Uh, and I think that we're, we're already seeing it within the brand. And the other reason why, and just to get back to to my point, is exactly you don't learn every scenario within twelve months. Correct, right? Because cycles in property change, yeah. buyer behaviours change, vendor management change, and evolves, and you get more accustomed to the way to deal with people's expectations yes. and understanding people's dynamics. So yeah. uh, I see the ideal time frame like at least. Two years, yep. I kind of see that. I wish three years. Three years. I think each, three years. Each, is, is, each individual is, circumstance is yeah, different. I understand yeah, that. Yeah. But I think the longer you can work side by side, because at the end of that three year period, this is my theory, Adrian, mm. at the end of that three year period, and history would say, mm. most of the people that have stayed within an EBU within three years, um, they're happy. Yep. They have flexibility around work. Yes. If they choose and they want to go on a holiday, they can. Yes. Right? So it allows the wheels to keep turning. Mm-hmm. Right. They work with a team environment that they really like. Yes. And they also get to grow. Yes. Right? Teams grow exponentially, we know, from year two to year three. And then year four, five, and six is actually even more growth uh, in most circumstances. And that yep. would be the history of the agents that have worked within our brand and our business over the past 30 years. Definitely. And I don't think you can put a dollar value on, Troy, the, the fact that there's some camaraderie on a daily yeah. basis. So professional loneliness is a real thing in real estate. You're a, you know, what's called a standalone agent. There's a lot of loneliness surrounded yeah. to that. If you're in an EBU part of a team where every day you have a 10 minute huddle, grab a coffee, you know, and have a bit of levity and a laugh during the day as well, and, and then go to appointments together, bounce ideas off each other, Troy. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, guess what? I just saw that property, it was two bedroom. Oh, you know what, Adrian, we sold that one. So I'm learning all the time from associates that are even in, in my extended super team now, constantly, you know, yeah. that they're adding value to, to the, the process you know, every single day. 
Adrian, I want to thank you so much because uh, the insights that we get, 26 episodes, 27 episodes in, I got that wrong, 27 episodes (laughs) in, um, 27 episodes, each episode goes out on a Friday. We make sure that it is remaining relevant for you guys out in the field. So please, can't emphasize enough, keep sending through your questions. More questions covered off next week. Uh, Good luck to everyone out there selling auctions this weekend. It's a big weekend again. Um, Good luck to everyone that's going out to listing appointments in the coming week. We really look forward to seeing you again next Friday for episode 